0: Therefore also the holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and is now the, and, and this is now the sixth month for who, who her who was called barren. For with God nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for such a clear account and such a clear message from the angel. Now, Lord, we pray that we would receive it and take it to heart as your very word. Bless this which we have read. And also now we ask, Lord, that you would bless the proclamation of it, that in the preaching of your word, we would also hear Christ instruct our hearts about himself. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We come, I think this is our third week, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Certainty. Remember, Luke puts it right out there in front of us, his goal, that you might be certain. And as soon as he says that, he then shows us, by inspiration, Zacharias in the temple. And with Zachariah, we are challenged with. The basis of our certainty, the word of God. We're challenged, will we accept God's word? Even though in life we are so often confronted by all these things that would cause us to doubt God's word. Especially doubt God's word maybe just about myself, right? That, well, what God said is obviously true, but it's not for me. We we might doubt that. We might doubt his Blessings, for example, but Luke, when he wants us to be certain, wants us to be certain of this that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is true, even if all of our senses tell us otherwise. And so we have to take that into the rest of the gospel. If we don't accept every word God says is true, there are going to be a lot of things we challenge and question as we read the rest of the gospel of Luke. Because some things seem impossible. And of course, that's the next thing that the Holy Spirit does through Luke in this gospel. He takes us to the most impossible thing. And he puts it out there in front of us for our faith to be certain. The most impossible thing. What he does in in essence is put before us the the being of Christ. The big theological word there is ontological. Ontological. Meaning, what is the essence of the thing, right? The, what, what is the person apart from what they do? Just in who they are. So before we look at all the things that Christ will do in the Gospel of Luke, he sets before us who Christ is in his being. Just who he is. And he does so through, once again, the angel Gabriel coming and having a conversation The most impossible thing that God would become man, that the creator would become creature. Impossible. If that can be the case, there's nothing you need to doubt in the book of Luke. And yet one of the things that has most often been a challenge for even professing Christians is the virgin conception of Christ. I think even two weeks ago, introducing the Book of Luke, I I read one well-known evangelical saying. Well, you know, if, if we found absolute proof that Mary slept around with some guy named Larry and and Jesus was just a a kid, uh, it wouldn't change my faith any. Well, Luke thinks otherwise, and the angel thinks otherwise, and Mary thinks otherwise. Uh, God requires that we think otherwise. And the Gospel of Luke takes, takes an effort to emphasize that, especially here in these verses. So let's just walk through this conversation between the angel and Mary. First, we have the angelic greeting. The angelic greeting we find at the end of verse 28, where we hear, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Wow. That, that's quite the greeting. Uh, there's some really great greetings from angels to people in the scriptures and they're worth looking at. But I think it's fair to say this is the best of them it's in one sense the most astonishing of them. It's it's an angel who has just told a a priest in the temple that his daily task is to stand before the throne of Almighty God in heaven. And he is appearing in a, a little district far from Jerusalem To a a girl who, based on the fact she's engaged, betrothed, and that the average ages of betrothal in uh, Israel at that time were 12 to 16 years old. We're probably looking at a 14 year old or so. Of a long forgotten branch of David's line that lives in the backwoods of a a country that's known for having nothing good coming out of it. And this angel appears and says this, you are blessed among women. You are highly favored by the Lord. I, I think we need to not jump over that too quickly. Because uh, there, there's a tendency to in evangelicalism today. And we all know why. Because some people have so mythologized Mary that she has become a, a lowercase goddess. And so we, we overreact, right? That happens to famous people in history. You have the people who are against them, who uh, want to make them forgotten uh, or make them bad in some way. And then you have the people that are for them, that, that turn them into these mythic creatures. And perhaps no one more so than Mary in the history of the world. Here we have someone whom the Roman Catholic Church has, has declared was born of a virgin. Not only that she bore Christ as a virgin, but that she was born of a virgin so that they can say she is without sin. And she doesn't need a savior and that also after she married uh, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph and, and after that she'd had Christ, she continued to be a virgin and continues to be a virgin because she didn't die. She was assumed into heaven. So she continues to be a virgin to this day, despite the fact that Matthew one twenty five makes a comment about Joseph waiting to sleep with her until, Until usually indicates that there was a stopping on the on the verb. Right. He stopped waiting at a certain point. But but there's this myth. Right. She's sinless. She was born of a virgin. She never died. She was assumed into heaven. She's perfect. She uh, um she's an intercessor and a mediatrix, whatever that means. And so we go the other extreme so often in Protestantism and have a tendency to make nothing of her. But but the reality is we we want our children to grow up like. If you have a daughter and you're a Christian, you probably want your daughter to grow up like Ruth or like Esther. Or if you know the text really well and you're like me, you want them to grow up like Abigail. And and if you have a son, you want him to to grow up like Joseph or Daniel or maybe David. Maybe. Um, But how often do we take our children, boys as well as girls, and say, look at Mary. At the age of 14 to 16, she is a woman of faith whom God highly favors and looks at with more, uh, more favor than any other woman. That's astonishing. Now, it's not because she's sinless. It's not because she doesn't need a savior. It's because she's a believer who knows she needs a savior at a young age. And so she exhibits this faith. We don't have a lot of moments of her faith put before us, but Luke gives us the most. And this text uh, gives us a number of things about her faith to consider. And, And we ought to. Because we all ought to desire to have a faith like our sister Mary. We don't want to worship her and deify her but we shouldn't downplay her importance either and while her experience is absolutely unique Shay, Caleb Mia, Zion Noah, you're never going to have Mary's experience but you should desire her faith because that is set before us here and so here comes this amazing statement the Lord highly favors you. Notice Mary's response to this greeting in verse 29. We read, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. There are, I think, three things we can note about her faith here really, two. Her faith is humble. And it's in the fear of the Lord. Uh, it, it's humble. She she doesn't talk in response to this greeting. She, she doesn't, for example, say, Finally, someone who gets me. Yeah, I am amazing. Wow. No one's ever understood me like you, Gabriel. Right? She, she doesn't say that. She doesn't she doesn't say any number of things that she might say at this point. She keeps her mouth shut and wonders where this is going. But she does that with reverence and awe. She is afraid. Now, that's not a sign of weak faith. Zachariah was afraid, and he was an older godly man hear what J.C. Ryle has to say when he's talking about Zechariah's fear of the angel. J.C. Ryle writes, fear, this kind of fear arises from our inward sense of weakness, guilt, and corruption. The vision of an inhabitant of heaven reminds us forcibly of our own imperfection. And of our natural unfitness to stand before God. If angels are so great and terrible. What must the Lord of angels be? Faith responds with fear. Before an angel. The fear of saying this holy creature stands before the holy, holy, holy God. And I'm a sinner. See, see, Mary's faith is a humble faith in the fear of the Lord that acknowledges her sin. And, and all of that's packed right in there with how she responds to the most amazing greeting in history. Well, maybe not the most amazing Christ walking into the room and saying peace to you—that's pretty amazing. But it's one of the greatest in history, isn't it? And she displays a humble, fear-filled, but not—not not obviously not terror-filled—as you look at how she interacts with this angel. Fear of the Lord-filled. Uh, um, my, my favorite thing that the late R.C. Sproul ever said was. That the holiness of God is traumatic to unholy people. And therefore the the, this isn't sprawl at this point, but the, the only thing faith can do in response to being in such holy presence is to fear, to fear, and humbly wait for God to act. May we have a heart as we encounter God's Word that would be like Mary's. Well, then we secondly have the angel's message in verses 30 through 33. And uh, you know it. She's going to have a baby. You you all have known that. Probably all of you have known that since you started speaking, right? (laughs) Because we make much out of Christmas in our culture, and even often non-Christians know the basic story. Well, they used to. Maybe they don't anymore. But but you all know the basic message: you're going to have a baby. And yet, this message in those verses is not simply a plus sign on a pregnancy test, and, and it's not even an ultrasound. It's a boy. It's not that it's something far greater than that, because the way in which this message is given tells us of who this boy is a clear message of who he will be. The angel says he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom There will be no end. This isn't just you're going to have a boy. And it's not even just he's going to be great. He's going to be some great revolutionary. Or he's going to be some great social justician. Or he's going to be some great guru. Much more is being said, isn't it? He is going to be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, a throne and a kingdom that will have no end. That's who he is. That's who he is. Now, now we're familiar with these words. But have you ever considered that Mary was just as familiar with these words as you are? Even though they're being spoken by the angel here, it's not the first time that these words have been said. Mary is of the faithful of Israel. That means she believes the word of God, the scriptures of the Old Testament. And she's of the line of David, which means she has a special interest in certain parts of the Old Testament. And those parts... The angel is simply paraphrasing. Actually, not even really paraphrasing. Amalgamating. Taking the lines right out and blending them together. And so you have, for example, what would probably have been one of the the most important texts to anyone of David's line like Mary and Joseph are. 2 Samuel 7, 16, where God promises David, your throne will be established forever forever. And that throne would be established forever through a son who is more faithful than David. Now, I think it's quite clear when you read Solomon's wisdom books, occasionally he brings an allusion to a righteous king. Or Song of Solomon, he paints an image that's astonishing of a righteous, holy man. I think it's clear that Solomon understood some things that God said in that covenant with my father were about me, but not about the one greater than David who would reign forever. That's, that's someone I'm looking for too. I I think Solomon had that clear. His, his line was looking for the Messiah who would come of David's line. And these are the very words they would expect to describe such a Messiah and Mary is hearing them about the child she will bear. It really comes down not to whether she recognizes what is being said about this young man, this baby who will be born of her, but whether she'll believe what the angel says. She's being told that the Messiah King so long ago promised, will come from her line. Not only 2 Samuel 7.16, you can look up Psalm 89.36, you can look up Micah 4.7, Isaiah 9.7, Daniel 7.14, and more. You'll probably hear several of those throughout the Advent season in various ways. Some of them might be on a card. Some of them might be our scripture reading in church, or at our uh, lessons and carols down, down the road in December. Um, but these would all be fresh in Mary's mind. Will she believe that the angel is being true? Will she believe that this really is the baby born to her, the one whom God has promised so long ago? Note her response to the message in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, in some ways, this, this response looks just like Zachariah's in verse 18. Except that the Holy Spirit, in the way that this is all put before us in Luke, makes it clear that Zechariah was speaking out of doubt. I'm old, this can't happen. Whereas the Holy Spirit seems to be indicating here that Mary is not operating out of doubt, but a sincerity and a sincere question. The sincere question seems to be something like this, what she's trying to ask as she thinks about what God has just said. God says, I will have a child. Children come out of the marriage bed. I'm a virgin. Do I need to do anything? That seems to be what Mary is asking here. How can this be? Do I need to do anything? Now now listen, every time... A prophecy about a miraculous birth has been given in Scripture. Faith's response has required doing something. Right? Abraham, Sarah, will have a child. What does Abraham do? He sleeps with Sarah. And they have a child. All the way up through Zechariah. She's going to have a child. He doesn't believe initially. he's struck deaf and dumb. And then he goes home. And what does he do? He sleeps with Elizabeth. And she has a baby. Right? Every time it requires a response of faith in action, which requires the marriage bed. So Mary, Mary's faith is uh, seeming to be quite uh, clear headed right here. I don't have Joseph to go home to yet. Do I need to do something about that? Uh, a, a betrothal back then could have lasted anything from two to five years. There's even some instances recorded of longer than that. So, depending on where they are in that betrothal, you know, Mary might have another three, four years before they get married. It's possible. What she's saying is along the lines of, do I need to have Joseph move the date up? Maybe we can live without quite as nice of a wedding reception. Maybe we have to live in a smaller hovel of a home for a while. Do I need to move the date up so that this king from the line of David and Joseph and I are both from the line of David? This king can be born now. Not in five years. Is that what God wants from me? This is the kind of faith response she's having. It's a legitimate question. God, I believe your word. What does that require of me? That's a good question for us to ask. Your word says this. How then shall we live? That's what she's asking. Well, well, the angel gives an explanation and an encouragement. The explanation is in verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, no. Do I have to do anything? No. Of course, she'll have to do something once the baby's conceived in her. She'll have to eat for two. She'll have to get extra sleep. She'll have a sore back from that uh, extra weight. But she doesn't have to do anything to get to that point. No, the, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Joseph will not be the father. And then God the Father only adopt him. He will be called the son of the most high God. Sometimes people try to give that impression. But the the Holy Spirit through Gabriel is very clear. It's actually going to be the other way around. It's not Joseph the Father and God the Father adopts Christ. It's God the Father who is the Father. And Joseph will adopt Christ. It's a clear message here in our text. The Holy Spirit is quite clear to us for Mary's sake, but also for our sake, that this will be the most amazing miracle in the entire Bible. It's the miracle that if it didn't happen, there's no point believing any of the others. God, the creator, becoming creation. Mary cannot contribute to it, and neither can Joseph. Now, um, look at how it's worded. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. We want to say, we want to understand how this works a bit more, God. But there's mystery here it remains shrouded in mystery and, and as with so many before us, we have to simply say, yes, God, we believe you. We don't understand how this happened, but you spoke and creation happened and you spoke and your eternal son was conceived. But, but, with the reverence that we bring to this mystery, I do think there's one thing about the wording of how it will happen that we need to know. And that is this second phrase. So the two phrases are saying the same thing in parallel, parallel ways. We have the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that phrase, overshadow, is used frequently regarding God in the Old Testament in a number of ways. But the most important, the one I want to draw your attention to this morning, we find in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35, where the same word is used to speak of God filling the, the tabernacle... His presence covering it, overshadowing it. It's the same word. When Jesus or his apostles would pick up a Greek translation of their Old Testament, the the scriptures for them, Old Testament for us. When they picked up such a scroll in the Greek translation, the Septuagint, and, and looked back at Exodus 40, this word was there. God at the tabernacle came down upon something common in creation and made it holy and was among his people. So with all the, the mystery, we have to leave shrouded with the virgin conception. One thing is clear. This is Emmanuel. The angel is saying to Mary, this is Emmanuel. The very glory, the presence of God coming down into the common to be among his people. The glory of God will overshadow you. Emmanuel has arrived. Not a mere man. Well... We have, we have that explanation, and then we have the angel's encouragement, verses 36 and 37. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who has, was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. This mystery is set before Mary and the angel declares this encouragement for one who is going to desperately need encouragement. Have you ever thought about the next nine months of Mary's life? Technically in the law books of Israel, this It's a a stoning offense to be pregnant outside of wedlock. Now, that wasn't typically enacted by Mary's Day. But parents shunning their daughter, kicking her out of the house, leaving her on the streets, all relatives closing their doors to her was very common. And we we don't actually know. Were her parents people of faith who believed her? Were her parents already dead? We, we, We don't know anything about her parents at all. But it's not inconceivable that this young teenage girl would be scared of how mom and dad might react. Will she find herself abandoned? And certainly she must be thinking, Joseph... Will abandon me. He he would have, in a very gracious and kind way, if the angel hadn't stepped in. She's about to encounter a very hard period of time, and the angel gives her this encouragement You have relatives who have just experienced a miracle who have just heard a message directly from me, Mention my name, they'll take you in. At least you have the hope of that, right? Have you, have you ever taken that away from it? I, I found most commentaries said the encouragement here is, well, Mary, you, you don't, you, you're not going to see the conception of Christ, and so you might need something tangible to look at. And so you can go and look at Elizabeth's baby bump. I, I don't find that convincing. Because you, you, she may not see the Holy Spirit doing this. But when she wakes up and vomits. so I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be. When she has morning sickness, she will have a tangible evidence that God did what he said. And if she waits a little while longer, she will also have a baby bump of her own that she can look down at. So is the encouragement primarily go and look at this? Well, in one sense, maybe in the sense of going and saying, oh, I know that God always used to bring about miraculous births. He still does." That That could be part of it, but I think a big part of it is here are people who will welcome you embrace you if no one else believes your story your older cousin will and she does and what a comfort that must have been until the angel appeared to Matthew I'm sorry Joseph which happens in Matthew until the angel appears to Joseph what an encouragement Zachariah and Elizabeth must have been Well, note Mary's response to the explanation and encouragement. Here is where she shines as different from Zechariah in the previous passage. She simply responds, Behold the slave of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. No hesitancy. No we'll see. May it be to me as you have said. Behold, your bond slave, your servant, I'm ready. Use me as you will. A true faith in the word of God, a humble faith in the sovereign plan of God. Beloved, we have the rest of the story. Now, Hebrews 11 and 12 tell us that since we have the rest of the story, saints like Mary, by saint here, I merely mean believers. Believers like Mary, who had less of the story, stand as witnesses against us when we have wavering faith. We have received the completed Word of God. Do we have the same certainty of faith regarding what it says? That Christ really was virgin born. Are you certain of that? You, certainty doesn't mean you understand it. It means you believe it. The virgin conception testifies to the Holy Trinity doing the greatest miracle ever. God the Father sending His eternal Son. God the Spirit conceiving Him in the womb of the Virgin. And God the Son submitting Himself to this humiliation for us, and for our salvation. That's the miracle. It's a a miracle that is essential to the Christian faith. Are you as certain about it as Mary was before she had any of the evidences in her body? This is an essential reality of the gospel. There is no good news without it. There's no hope of salvation through a mere man. Any mere man. Because a mere man, if he could succeed in not being a sinner and never sinning, could only give his life for one person's place in hell. So if Jesus isn't the eternal God, he cannot pay on the cross the pardon for a great multitude in heaven. So are you certain? Are you certain about the virgin conception? If you are, then you can realize this other thing that if he is able to do that miracle, he is able to do above and beyond all that you are able to even imagine or ask. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Mary stands in this great cloud of witnesses. We who have more knowledge than she, may we like her believe That faith is the best response to God's word, even when it is a mystery to us. And no matter what persecution or shame or scorn we receive for it. Let's pray.